Ready for the what? All right, old somebody says, let's say this together, our Father. You're not sounding like you mean our Father. In the name of our Son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There is no confusion. There is no contradictions in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves in him. Your name alone is glorified. And we are edified. Amen. All right. Supernatural every day. Let's continue our series on supernatural every day. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. We've been on this for um, quite a while now. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. The supernatural every day. All right. It says... And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In verse 20, it says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, and with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we have said um, heaven and earth is a narrative or is a temple narrative. And Jesus, and one thing you must understand is that Jesus was teaching from the Old Testament books. So when he told them and said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, he was talking from the Old Testament book. He was teaching them and explaining from the Old Testament books. So Jesus taught them and he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he now says, Go and make disciples of all nations. So when he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, the first narrative that will come to your mind as a good Christian of the scripture will be the Genesis 1.1. When he says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So when he says, heaven and earth, and now he says, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth, it means God has made the earth his heavenly place. So we can call, safely call heaven in earthly places. So he has accomplished what he wanted to do from the very beginning, upon the resurrection. So he now gave them an instruction and he said, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. One thing you must understand about the four Gospels or the four synoptic books is that they are eyewitnesses account. Eyewitness in the sense that they saw it and they wrote it down. That is, they saw what was happening, they saw the events, the events were things that men saw and it was penned down. Things the men saw, things that men heard, and they penned it down. So, and one, one key fact you must understand is that they were not written when the events took place. That is, they didn't write, Matthew didn't write Matthew when Jesus was speaking. They were not writing it down as Jesus was speaking, or as Jesus was saying, then I said, okay, immediately Jesus finished teaching like this, the book of Matthew is already out. Just like we finished teaching today now, the message is already out. No, that's not what was happening then. Now, what happened was that the events took time. They took their time before they wrote. So that means they wrote to us what was important. 
You must exercise something in Bible study. That's why if you read the book of John, John told us that if they were to write everything that Jesus has done in this world, he says the books of this world will not contain it. I'm not if you remember that scripture. It says the book of this world will not contain it. So that means they wrote to us very important details that they needed us to understand. So when they were written, they were written to feed and teach believers in their time. So that means we can use safely call them believers in the book of Acts. So they read, they saw, they understood some of the things that Jesus went through. They saw some of the things and the events of the four Gospels. They saw and read how those things were interpreted. And I've explained to us over the years, or let me, no, let me, let me say over the years, I've explained to us in recent times that even those four Gospels or the synoptic writers were writing from the Old Testament. So that means they had quite a number of things explained and understood to them before they wrote. And this is just discipline in study also. That is not that what you are just learning now, you want to be teaching it immediately. You know, it's just common sense. You have to first gain a firm grasp of what you are learning in Bible study before you start becoming a an astute teacher of it. Because some people now, when they learn, just like Holy Communion that we just studied recently, some people now will go and start serious and say, brethren, the Lord's Supper. You know, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. You know, all like baptism. That will just, just say, see, this is my next series. No, you have to calm down. Hallelujah. You just calm down. So, and let me tell you something. So, the writers had a lot of insight into redemption, but they didn't allow it creep into their writings. They've had insight into what Paul was teaching. They've had insight into what God has done in Christ Jesus, but you didn't see them mentioning in Christ's realities in their writings. Did you see that? You didn't see that. The closest we will see was John. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, just simply wrote the gospel. Luke was Paul's disciples. He had insight into redemption. He has insight into what God has done in Christ Jesus for us. He had insight into what the blood has done or accomplished for us. He had insight into the forgiveness of sins. But you will find that creep into their writings. They simply wrote to us important details that we needed to see in the four gospels. So the writers had a lot of insight, but they didn't allow it creep into their writings. So that's why you see Matthew has 28 chapters, John has 21 chapters, and in Matthew, you see uh, even Luke has 24 chapters, Mark has 16 chapters. In Matthew, you will see that Jesus came, you see the way they, they explain in Matthew that in the first two chapters, they explain the pre-Jesus' coming. They gave us, um, in, in Matthew 1, they gave us the genealogy, and this begat this, this begat this. They were walking you to understand the Old Testament. So if you don't understand what the Old Testament has been saying, you wouldn't even understand what Matthew was saying. So they were walking us through the Old Testament, making us see something. Then you now see the wise men. The wise men. Now, a lot of people call them three wise men. No, they were not three wise men. They were only wise men who brought three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and mine. They are not called three wise men. They are not three. The Bible never said they are three wise men. They only brought three gifts. And three gifts means they brought them in a sack. Are you getting what I'm saying? So get that misconception out of your mind. As a three wise, no, it's not three wise men. It's just wise men from the east. So there are probably a lot of people who came that brought three sacks of gifts. Are you getting what I'm saying? Not three guys. No. <laughs> so, uh, so they just brought three gifts. So Mark doesn't have those events. You won't see in the book of Mark the event of the three wise men. 
You will see in Luke, Luke was more detailed. Luke was giving us Elizabeth pre-Jesus era. Luke was giving us even John the Baptist story. You see that they were very detailed about what they wanted to share. So if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, it is in his preaching and his teaching ministry you will find out. You'll find out that a lot of Christians, they don't even understand what Jesus was preaching. They don't even understand how to explain the scriptures properly. So, a true disciple of Jesus, because it says, go and make disciples of all nations. A true disciple of Jesus would understand and be given to the scriptures in his right context. It will be given to the preaching and teaching ministry of Jesus. I'll give you an example. It's just like when Jesus was talking to them on... Uh, uh, on the, at one time when they were asking him which description was this and he said now look at it when they gave him the thing, should we pay tax should we not pay tax and he says he just collected his, the, the stuff and he said whose description is this and he said the image he took them back to Genesis the acron the image making them to see the image and now that was a very dicey question because if he had said don't pay tax they were arresting if he had said pay tax, they would say, so are you, cond are, you, are, you cond are you condoning the law? Are you saying we should continue doing this? And don't forget, they were living in a more tyrannical era. So if he had said they should not pay tax to Caesar, just know that that's the end of his ministry in that place. So you know what Jesus did? Very intelligent guy. He took them back to Genesis to answer their question. He says, whose image is this? He took them back to, where will we see image? Genesis 1.26. It took them back to explain the context of the image. So if you didn't even understand the context of that image of God, you will miss it in that, in that scripture. So you have to understand what the scripture is saying. So if you didn't understand what the image if, uh, is in Genesis 1, you're going to miss it in that place. That he told them, give to Caesar, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Now, he never said you should not pay tax. He never said you should not worship God. He never said you should worship Caesar. He just says, see, this is it. Are you guessing what I'm saying? Very smart question. Because a lot of the people are also like that. That's why I used to tell you, some people like the yes or no answers. Just tell me the answer. The scripture is this. So, what's this? Just tell me the answer. And we have a lot of track one, track two, track three, track four, track five, track six on SoundCloud. And they say, just tell me the answer. What took me four hours, five hours to explain? You want me to give you in two seconds? No, now. <laughs> it's not possible. Hallelujah. There's no yes or no answers to Bible questions. It has to be explained. Don't always learn to explain the scriptures in context properly to people. Because we live in a time and world where there's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. A lot of questions and we have to, we have it's not just that we have the responsibility to answer them as Christians our responsibility as Christians is to answer those questions that's why we're trusting God this summer we're going to start a series on answering perplexing questions we're going to be answering questions that baffles the hearts of people okay what does the Bible say about this what does the Bible say we're trusting God for clarity because you know we live in a world where a lot of people's question needs to be answered some people the reason why their worship of God is not as fervent as it has to be is because they don't even understand some people don't even understand what it means to go to church I'm going to teach a series why you should come to church. Something like that. What is the essence of the local church? I'm going to teach a series like that. 
Some people don't even understand what it means to come to church. Some people don't even understand what it means to pray. Some people don't even understand what it means to read their Bibles. Some people don't even understand what it means to walk with God. Some people don't even understand what it means to, you know, as it were, just even preach the gospel. Some people just feel like, ah, why are we doing all of these things? You need to be thought. You need to be explained. You need it to be explained to you. I, I say it this way: it's just like your school work or school activities or even a job. A job in America, before you come into a job, they first do orientation for you, right? Some orientation take one day. It depends on the job. Some take six weeks. I remember there was a job I did with the government one time, and it took me almost two months. Orientation. They just gave me materials to be reading. So I'll just be on my laptop, just be going through everything that I don't know, you know. Two months just for orientation. So imagine, I was, I knew I was spending just three months in that job in my own mind because I had other plans. So I used two months to do orientation for one month. <laughs> for one month. For one month stop. But that is it. And that's because that job was very, very confidential. We're working with confidential files. So you could not have imagined, I could not have imagined that that job, I mean, we are working with serious patient cases, right? And we're working with cases of um, extreme cases that is very, very confidential. The database is very confidential. They, in fact, there was one day I called my dad and I said, and I, I typed his, I already typed his name on that database and I said, so you went to, as I told him, I said, so I said, hello daddy, so you went somewhere this day, how, how do you know? I said, I'm seeing your file like this. I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your file. <laughs> your file is right in my screen. He said, ah, how do you know? So I quickly had to call the customer. They will not know that I'm talking to somebody about your file. But, that, but look at how much they used time to train me on what to do. Now, some people just feel like, Christianity, you don't need training. That's a lie. The Bible says we're translated from the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1.13, into the kingdom of his dear son. So for you to leave a kingdom to another kingdom, you need to be trained and taught what it means to be in this kingdom. You don't need training to be in the kingdom of darkness. Everywhere inside this life is training you. <laughs> if you leave this church like this and step outside, there's another training for the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> Even your phone is enough to train you for the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? But you need the local church to train you for the kingdom of light. You do. Some people don't want to undergo training. Some people don't want to undergo study of God's word. And the study of God's word must be very patient, must be very deliberate. Some people don't even understand what it means to pray or pray, pray long. When we say, we are just praying some hours and thoughts, we say, what, what are we saying to God? What is that? That's because you are not thought. That's because you don't understand. Instead of criticizing it, why not ask questions? So they say, ah, why are they studying the word, sitting down, just hearing the word for hours? What is all about? Jesus took people to the wilderness and taught them for three days. Three days and three nights. 5,000 men beside women sat down in the wilderness for three days. It was at the last day he told them, I don't want to send them away fainting. That was when they did the multiplication of the five loaves of bread and two fishes. That was Jesus. Moses in the wilderness was teaching the people for days. Paul taught those guys. Uticus died and he woke him up and he kept teaching. So if you don't understand, you're going to criticize it. So we say, why do we come to church and they are teaching for long? No one in the scripture ever taught for short. 
anywhere you go to and they're trying to give you short SMS service, they're trying to deceive you. Nowhere in the scripture. I just showed you Moses. I, time we film me, I would have walked you through Daniel. He walks them through the scriptures. Isaiah, walking them through the scripture patiently. Even the walk of a king, David, he was an astute teacher of the law. David taught the law. Joshua taught them the law. That's the work of a king. That's the work of a priest. To walk them through the law. To teach them. Nehemiah did the same in the book of Ezra. He was walking them through the law. Teaching them. Explaining it to them. That's what Solomon was doing as a king. They would gather in his temple and he would be explaining to them. The people said, the, the Bible says that men from all that nations came to feed from the wisdom of Solomon. What do you think he was doing? Teaching them the law. Explaining to them the oracles of God. Then Jesus came. Even John the Baptist in the wilderness, he was teaching. Then Jesus came. Matthew 4. The Bible says he went around preaching the gospel in the synagogue. But how did he start? He was first trained. The Bible says in Luke 4, he grew in wisdom, in knowledge, and in stature with God and man. He was, the Bible says he was found in the temple asking tough questions. So that means Jesus also was trained. He was. He didn't just come out and just say, I am Jesus. Let me just, no. He was taught the scriptures. He was taught the scriptures. He was trained. Then what did he do? He taught others, right? He taught the 12 disciples. He taught the 70. He taught the 120. And they began to do the same thing. In the, four God, in the, in the book of Acts, in Acts 2 verse 42, it says they continued daily in fellowship of bread, in prayers, and in the apostles' doctrine. That means in teaching. Daily. Imagine we have a church daily. The people say we are too extreme. They said daily. Paul in Act 19, it says Paul taught daily in the school of one Theranos for the space of two and a half years. Daily. Now today, now if we say one of our church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, someone says it's an extreme thing. No! It shows you where your priorities are. It's not extreme. No, it's not. You just have to be taught. Like I said again, in the kingdom of darkness, you don't need training. Your phone is the training. Your TV is enough training. In fact, just going to Walmart to look this summer is a training. You know, this summer, that's where we see all kinds of things. Different things happening all over the nations of the world. This is summer. We are in America. We are going to see different things. Your eyes will behold the glory of God. That's enough training. Some people say, wow, I just like this. Christians who? Christians. Ah, they don't see a sister. Just, no, don't let me say sister. They don't see a girl. So, ah, I just like this. What did you do? You have been trained. You will now go and search for Sonova, search Shen, search Zara to look for that thing you were trained about. <laughs> you see what is going on. But in the kingdom of light, it's a new kingdom. You were not used to it. You need the local church to train you. That's why you come to church. To learn why you were a Christian. I tell people, I've been saying this for years. In the church, we learn backwards. What are we learning? We are learning from that day. What happened to us that day we received Christ? 
That's what we're going to keep learning till we die. What happened that day we received the gospel? That's what we're going to keep learning. Oh, wow. So this is what happened to me. This is what Christ did. And it will help you to appreciate things. So as a follower of Christ, you ought to follow Jesus. You ought to follow his pattern. You ought to follow his model. Jesus was found at the temple asking tough questions. Asking questions. What are your questions? As you are feeding on God's word, you are learning every day. What are your questions? Questions in this church, questions are not a sin. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? Ask questions. Critique things. Look at it again. Hear it over and over again. What did they say? How was it explained? That is how to grow as a believer. That is how to be a serious Christian. That is how to be a serious Christian. So Jesus was found learning. Jesus was found learning in the temple. He was found learning. The Bible says he was formed among the doctors of the law, asking questions. What was he doing? He was learning. So when you, found, when you found Jesus teaching, Jesus didn't come and teach because it was Jesus. No! He thought because he has learned it. He has learned it. He gave his early years to learning. So, as a disciple of Christ, you need to have a life of observation. Just observe. How is things done in the scriptures? How are things done in the local church? How are things done? Just observe. You have to have the life of observation. So in Matthew 28 verse 18, he says, And Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations. Right? He says we should teach all nations. And make, he says, Baptize them in the name of the Father. Teach all nations. There means matites in the Greek. Make them students. Make them students. Just like your school, they make you students. You learn it again from afresh. You learn it again and again and again. Matetis in the Greek. You keep learning, you keep observing. You are doing assignment. I, I tell people, I say, if your professor really, really trusts you, they shouldn't give us assignment. They shouldn't give us exam if they really, really trust us. I mean that we learned this stuff. But no, they will still do it. That's because they have trust issues. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But it's just to test if you, if you were following through. So I say, if we give someone an exam in church, is it bad? <laughs> it says, as a disciple, because you have to have a life of observation. And that says, make disciples. And that says, and in verse 20, teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you, he now says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. When he says, lo, that word lo there means behold. It means keep looking at it, perceiving it. Keep looking at this reality. Keep looking at the fact. He says, I am with you always. He wasn't saying, look around you. He wasn't referring to a physical appearance. He was saying that I am with you. That's a reality in the spirit. It is, and lo, I am with you always. That means there is an ever-abiding presence of God in the life of the believer. The believer is filled with the ever-abiding presence of God. He says, I am with you always. Even to the end of the world. 
So that means when he says in the foregoing, don't forget, where is he teaching from? He's going to be teaching from the Old Testament, right? That's Jesus' Bible. Don't forget, there was nothing like Matthew when Jesus was on earth. They didn't have Matthew, they didn't have Luke, they didn't have the Paul's Epistle, they didn't have the Book of Acts. The only Bible they had was the Old Testament. So if he was going to be teaching, he's going to be teaching from where? The Old Testament. So when he says, I am with you, even to the end of the world, that was saying, it's just the same thing when he appeared to Moses, when he says, I am that I, I am that I am. That is, I will be what I will be. I thought you this in the earlier series we had this year. I will be what I will be. Meaning, I have fulfilled that statement now. I have fulfilled that statement now upon the resurrection. I am now in you. I am now in you. That statement has been fulfilled in Jesus. A lot of people need to understand it. That God is now in you. In Hebrews 8, he said he was never trying to live in a building. A lot of people think, I think I taught you this in the glory of the later house. And it's, a lot of people think that Jesus is trying to live in a building. No! God never lived in the building. Moses was never trying to build a house for God. No! No, Moses wasn't trying to do it. Moses was building a shadow for them, making them understand, using it was his teaching ministry, making them to see that there is a place that God is going to live in the believer, and he has done it in Christ. So upon the resurrection, God now lives in the believer. He is in you. Hallelujah. He is in you. There's something you must always understand, that Christ is in me. God is in me. He says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So when I'm sleeping, he's with me. When I'm having my bed, he's with me. When I'm driving, he's with me. When I'm walking, he's with me. He is always with me. So you shouldn't have a reason to fear. You shouldn't have a reason to doubt. He is with you always. Always. And that's why I told you, Moses wasn't trying to build a physical house. He was only trying to point to them what God will do. Moses was just simply teaching them a parable. So when he says, Hello, I am with you, it means I have fulfilled the promises. I have fulfilled the prophecies. I will be what I will be. I will live in the believer. I will walk with them. That is why a believer must learn the word. If you don't have a proper understanding of, of God's word, you're going, to, you're going to get things mixed up. If you don't have a proper understanding of the reality of what God has done in Christ Jesus, you're going to get a lot of things mixed up. That's why I say, I'm saying it to you, every Christian or every pastor must be even a theologian. What is theology? Theology means a study of God. It means they must have a proper understanding of, their, of God. Of who God is so that they can explain properly to Christians and they are not confused but imagine you come to church and imagine it's a shame on the preacher for them to be calling you a, you call yourself a pastor and they're calling you a relationship coach that's not that's not a pastor you are pastoring a church you have a church and all people know you for is you are a relationship coach 
So everything people live in life is relationship. So all through the 66 books, Jesus was teaching relationship. The Bible was telling us relationship. Say, it's a relationship coach. It's a pastor. Let's wake up. Pastor, this, but a relationship coach. Ha! And some people, that's the church they like because they don't want to grow. It's not like they don't know. They know, but just <laughs> all those Greek words and Hebrew words. <laughs> Writing script, I'm not ready. I just want to stay where I belong. All those praying in tongues, shababa. Ah, oh, no. Let me go to where they say, just lift your hands, wave your white pass to the Lord. Just, just wave it, guys. Wave it. And they say, hallelujah, sit down. In the book of Genesis 1, the Lord said, man shall not be by, live alone. They will not turn it to, you know when he says, man shall not live by bread alone. What do you think he's saying? Alone. The mystery of the alone. Alone. Why should you be alone? And that's the message. No, I'm not joking. That's how people preach. Or, some people, another church they go, motivation. See, he's a pastor, but a motivational speaker. So, as he's preaching, he's going to preach you off your seat. <laughs> God, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you something. There's only something they are saying. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, yeah, if God can be for you, who can be against you? I'm murdered. Acquire to desire, to retire, to retire. And go to a fire. That's the place. Imagine you have gone to work now since morning. You did not. You were even angry at your boss. Your boss is looking at you and saying, stand up, stand up, go and do that. You now came to Tuesday night service like this. And all you came to hear is another motivation. Like, brethren, you are not in that position. He said, I said it. You are not supposed to be in that position. You should rise and fire your boss. You know there's a message called fire your boss. Oh, oh I'm going to teach you something. So, <laughs> God forbid. You know, there's a message that goes on. Rise up and fire your boss. Yeah, it's a motivational teaching. <laughs> if, I, if I'm not, if we don't know anything. No. <laughs> You are not supposed to be in that level. You're supposed to own the company. Why would you allow yourself to be a mediocre and a fellow human being like you, who is not even up to your qualification, who is not even up to your standard, is giving you a command. Fire your boss. Brethren, fire your boss. Tell your neighbor, say, fire your boss. Fire your boss. <laughs> Some people, and that's so they say, Oh, preach it, Pastor. <coughs> preach it. Oh, oh, oh. Glory. Yes. Yeah. What? For what? <laughs> so we bring container. I say, You know, like Jesus taught this. Say, Give me the cup and give me the water. Look at the water. See it. This is it. You know. Uh, Behold it. No. That is making a lot of Christians dull. And some people, that's what they like. 
say, man, I was highly motivated today. Ah, he preached good. They say, no, they will not say he preached good. He preached fire. 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 They will not, then the string, the music, musically will work it. Fire. Fire. Woo! Fire. And everybody will start jumping. <laughs> yeah, so the keyboard must be at a lot. They don't leave their seats. They don't leave the keyboard because they know that. <laughs> Brethren, and the drummers are always at a lot. Fire, I'm telling you something. I'm telling you something. Oh, brethren, God is moving you to the next level. So they must be at a lot. So the preacher and the drummer and the musicalist, they are doing the sermon together. Because without them, the pastor cannot throw it. It only goes properly. No. <laughs> it makes you dull spiritually. It makes you not appreciate the scriptures. Then you have somebody ask you questions. Say, what did Jesus say? And you say, what? That's how somebody asked me because of so many motivations I've read. One day, they were teaching us gently Zacchaeus' story. And I said, what did you learn? And me, I wanted to show them my favorite. People was in that service. I wanted to show them the rep that I've learned. Because I've learned revelation. They were just listening to Zacchaeus so that Jesus mingled with sinners. And Zacchaeus was an example of somebody that mingled with sinners. This and that and that. I said, hmm. I was looking at them. You guys are not deep. You guys aren't deep, man. So I said, hey, brother. What did you learn? I said, thank you for the privilege. Hallelujah. So Zacchaeus, the mystery of Zacchaeus, and I studied it from Romans, people uh, uh, remind me, Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans, huh? whatever. All have sinned, that's Romans 3, and fall short of the glory of God. And I said, Zacchaeus was short. So he has sinned, that's why he has fallen short. Huh? The woman said, come again. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the come again means, <laughs> spit it on, brother. <laughs> really? I said, so Romans 3 says, all have fallen short, all have seen and fall short. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Zacchaeus was a short man. So he takes a sinner and a short man to fall short of the glory of God. The woman looked at me like, how is this? Just give me what you learned. I don't even get what I'm saying. And that's how people are in church. I'm teaching you, but you still have something in your mind that hasn't left because of what scripture you have learned some years ago. So you're still thinking, mm -mm, you're not getting the pastor. Mm -mm. All I've seen, I was, it, it's years later I was nine, as I sat down, you know as a believer, you, as a born again Christian, a real child of God, not a born again child of God. We know, ah, I should not have done that. As I sat down, I sat down, I was like, ah, what did I just do? There's no way you would not know that, ah, that you did something wrong. The woman just said, praise God, praise God. So she, do you know what she did? She had to start reteaching the thing so that nobody would be confused. <laughs> she had to reteach what she was saying very well. 
I said, brethren, do you not understand? Zachary was a sinner. Jesus mingled with sinner, this and that. She, she had to emphasize it again. Very, very well. <laughs> I didn't know what she was doing. It took me years. So that's like, ah, that's what she was doing. So that she would, I will not go confuse other people with my own revelations. I said, Zachary was, ah, I'm so ashamed of saying it. <laughs> Who was there? That the was like, hmm, yeah, eat it. Who was even giving me ginger? Yeah, <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> Confused both of us. <laughs> okay, he says, Hello, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Look at John 14, when Jesus was talking to them in John 14. So that's why you need to understand the scriptures, right? You know, Jesus told them in, in the book of Matthew, he says, you err, not knowing the scripture. He says, you err, that is, you go astray, not knowing the scriptures, not the power of God. A lot of us, are, a lot of believers today are astray because they don't understand the word of God. They are living life astray. They are living life wrongly. They don't even understand their Christian faith. They don't even, they don't even have the right worship of God. Because they don't understand the scriptures. Because they can't see the scriptures properly. Because their questions are not even answered. Because they are probably in the wrong place. Because their pastors aren't doing a due diligence to teach them the gospel. Imagine as a pastor how you are feeding the people day in and day out is relationship or, or, or motivation. You model a scripture, just one text in a Sunday. One text of scripture, wow. No. Jesus never did like that. None of the apostles did like that. None. Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, none of them. The writers of Hebrews. Look at how they wrote the scriptures. You will know that this is a teaching. Even the letters of Paul. It wasn't even his teaching. We are using a letter that he has, don't forget, the letters were questions that they sent to him that he needed to address or issues he needed to address. That wasn't the real teaching. So imagine the teaching. You and I are reading his letters today because of the issues they had in the church and he needed to encourage them or because of the questions they asked him and he needed to send answers back to them and that wasn't the real teaching. So imagine what the teaching would have been. Just imagine. Look at how bulky the letter is. Look at how explanatory the letters are. So imagine what would they would have gone through in those churches. You know they gave us a clip with Utico's story. He taught for about seven, eight hours. Utico's died. He woke him up and continued teaching. He taught all night, all day. So imagine... So imagine, imagine he didn't teach. What would have gone wrong? Probably we would not be able to carry the book of Corinth properly. Maybe the book of Corinth would be the old Bible. <laughs> if, if Jesus didn't teach well. Or if Paul didn't teach well, sorry. 
So look at in John 14. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe ye, in, ye believe in God, believe also in me. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And I says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye may be also. There is no mansion in the house. So what was he saying? So he says, in my father's house. That word house in the Greek is the word oikia. His audience understood what he was saying. When he says house, it means household. Oikia means household, like your family. Like saying, my son name is Benson now. Like saying the Benson family. In the Benson family, there are many mansions. Many mansions there. Mansion is from the word money. It means there are many rooms. Many dwelling places. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. He wasn't doing a construction work and say, oh yeah, put the block there. Okay, put the, this there. So you walk with the sheet of gold. No, that's not what he's doing. Or that's not what he was doing. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. That was his resurrection. And I says, and I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself. That here I am, you may be also. We are there already. Glory to God. We are there as a reason of us believing the gospel. He has made his father's house. We are now in the father's house. He has made us his dwelling places. He says, lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the world. Lo, I am with you. Look at in verse 18 of that place. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Hallelujah. So the believer is now is not without comfort. He is with him. In verse 20. It says, at that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and what? I in you. So he is with you. He is with you. A lot of believers need to feed on this fact. They need to feed on this reality. They need to understand and understand the consciousness of this reality. It's just a consciousness gap. A lot of Christians feed more on the negative than on the positive. Why? Because they don't understand the, 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 what he has done in Christ. They don't understand the essence of his ever-abiding presence in the believer. So many believers believe more in the negative supernatural. They believe in superstitions. Some people believe in superstitions. Some people believe that when they eat in their dreams, uh, that's when, if they eat, you know, I, I remember I, was, I used to share this story with you. When I was very young, I, I had in my dream, I had conflicts. I mean, I grew up from a house where conflicts is where you only eat it in, in school. If, you, it's not, if, it is, if, it, if it is at home, it finishes in one day. So you have to, it's, it's like, <laughs> conflicts there was like gold. You know, uh, if at the very first day I had these round cookies, you know, all these cookies they used to, that our mothers used to use to put jewelries. <laughs> that blue one, it was like a miracle. It was, my mother was celebrating something, I think a job promotion. She just said, bring that cookies and cook. 
That was how we used. That's how I ate it for the first time. In fact, she ate it more than I did because she said she's the one celebrating. <laughs> so, this day, and because of the so many junks are fed on, they told us that if you eat in your dream, you have eaten poison. So, me too, I believed it. Stupid me then. And I had conflicts. And guess who gave me the conflict? A woman that I suspected in my heart that she's a witch in my street. <laughs> she just said, take this conflict. I woke up and I was normal. I won't lie to you. For the first one or two hours, I woke up and I was normal. And now remembered the dream after about two hours. I'm not joking. This thing called consciousness, you have to work on it. And now remember the dream after about two, three hours. I was up, I was fine, I was doing all my daily activities, I was okay, bubbling. I just remembered that, ah, I dreamed a dream. Just like the Bible says, Joseph dreamed a dream. I dreamed a dream that I had conflicts. And the woman gave me which. And I remembered that they said, if you eat in the dream, you have eaten poison. And I fell sick. I started shivering. I started shaking. I was like, God, I read a book. I purged. The blood of Jesus purged my, purged this for me. So I will go to the toilet. Ah! I will try to cough it out. You know, when they are trying to do deliver session for you, they say, cough it out, cough it out, spit it out now. So I will go to the restaurant and say, ah! 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 <laughs> Trying to cough out the poison. Superstition. Superstition. It's not true. Eat in your dream and drink water when you wake up. I remember after years of learning God's word, I was like, why, why have I not eaten in my dream again? So one day, and now I hurt. I was like, what? I, I rejoiced after I woke up that now I've eaten. <laughs> I woke up and the first thing I went to do is to drink juice, not even water. I drank juice over the food I ate. I felt like, ah, my stomach feels full. And it was one of those days where fasting, you know, you know, when you fast for a while, like maybe you fast for like two, three days, the smell of food will be smelling in your nose. If you sleep, you just maybe, and those are the times that personally they will just be something, you will just be going through your normal Instagram or normal thing, everything you don't be seeing is food. <laughs> so I now saw it in my dream. And the next day I was to break. So I just, <laughs> ah, good. The Lord prepares the table before me. Stop being superstitious. Some people say, ah, no. There was this superstition that used to go up in, in, in Africa then. I don't know if it still happens. They say, if you come and collect, um, maybe you're trying to buy something and you didn't pay the person um, on time, or you didn't pay the person the money, the person will not sell to you. They'll say, don't come and bring bad luck to my business this morning or throughout today. Why would you pay to me? What's that? So you see, the first phone call I received today was a very bad one. So let me sleep back and wake up. You are just being superstitious. If you work in a call center, you are going to have a lot of bad phone calls. I have worked in a call center before. Have you received a call that they insulted you and said, You're mad! You're not fixing my thing! And like you're like you the cause of the problem. <laughs> no, stop being superstitious. 
A believer must not be superstitious. A believer is supernatural. Hallelujah. A believer is supernatural. The reason why the believer is superstitious is because he doesn't understand that he has an ever-abiding presence of God with him. Stop being superstitious. I heard the story my pastor shared one time about a woman who they told not to drink coke and eat rice because of the problem in their family. Really? You know, there are some people today, they don't eat certain food because of a pastor who told them that if they eat this food or if they drink this drink, something will go wrong. I don't know if you know that. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a big lie. Some people, they'll tell you the reason why I always tie my ears because my pastor said, if I lose this year, and men see the glory, that's it. Some point is so much fear, so much, that if they have not read Psalm 91 in one day, the, the day is going wrong. So much fear. They will not say, they will not take them to deliver and say, come on! They, say, they, they are born again, oh. They are casting out unseen spirit from them. Do you not see them talk and say, I am the father of your father. It's a lie. They just... <laughs> it's a lie. It's a very big lie. They just were yielded to something. They just said, well, this is pretty big. What have you done to him? I've killed him. And he's still alive. I've tied his business and he's still going to work every day. Uh, what have you done to me? I tied his womb. So many fearful things. Don't live your life with superstition. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The life of a believer. You don't understand. When we say somebody is a believer, imagine God. Imagine him. Imagine Jesus. Imagine you are trying to cast out something from Jesus. Say, come out, Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, I will not come out. Really? Imagine somebody does it. Peter is saying, Master, every pass from your family. Come on. Jesus said, which family? I'm incarnated. <laughs> Imagine it. He says, as I am, so are you. The life of the believer is supernatural. What superstition? A lot of people live in superstition. Some people believe that if they've not received one phone call in a day, or if they receive one phone call, or three phone calls in one day, and that is, say, ah, it's about to be a bad day. Maybe before 12, they say, ah, it's about to be a bad day. No. It's not a bad day. Stop being superstitious. Take away superstition from your mind. Some say, if I eat this thing, the reason why some people are not eating certain things, yes, I understand allergies. But some people, the reason why they are not eating certain things is because of a church, what a pastor has said. And so many people are in bondage and fear. In living supernaturally every day, you must not be superstitious. You can't be. You can't be superstitious. 
Break every superstition from your mind. So I say, if this go this way, if it goes this way, it means it's going to turn out this way. Who says so? Why must everything turn out bad? And every superstition is always a bad thing. Do you notice? Every superstition is always a why, why don't we have superstitions of good things? There is more superstitions of bad things than the good ones. Why? And it puts a lot of people in fear, in bondage. Anything that gives you a fear as a believer is not of God. He says he has not given us the spirit of fear again. You're just scared. You're, you're scared to walk in the midnight. Or you're scared to, to, to not... Some people can't off their light because they feel like if they off their light, they'll be seeing their shadows. And they've told them that if you see your shadow, it's the evil spirit. What's that? Some they can't even pray in the middle. They'll be looking at, hey, Jesus, oh, hey. I shall be there, literally, I'm like, shut up, they'll just hear, crew. They'll be looking at, in your room. You should, if you, if you grew up, you know, that road. <laughs> you, 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 no, you can't be scared as an old DJ. No! In the midnight as you are praying, the wishes are shouting. You are hearing their voice like this. Oh! 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 I'm not joking! That's why you don't say, Oh! Shut up! I'm not joking! Oh. You'll be hearing... They say, if dog is crying, it means somebody is about to die. There's no dog... There was one, there was one, one year, people will remember, dog kept crying, dog kept crying, every time. So one man just said, ah, enough is enough. <laughs> you don't woke everybody up at 2 a.m. Bedre, come outside. <laughs> we need deliverance for this city. Me, I told them, nothing, no evil shall come near our dwelling. All these people are so in so much fear, so much. So the minute your dog starts, oh, no, you know, we, we live in a tush country now. If your dog is crazy, are you, have you eaten? Are you good? In Africa. Oh. It's only the tush wars. In Odaro. Say, have you eaten? <laughs> in Odaro, you say, thank God, have you eaten? Let me keep quiet. That's what I say. Pastor is anti-animal. <laughs> I don't like pastor. Pastor is just anti. No, I'm not anti animal. I love them. <laughs> With the love of God. Will we? <laughs> not to. Please, help my ministry. <laughs> I love any animal you love. If you like snake, I will start liking it. <laughs> you know. They eat snake in my primary school. They eat snake in my primary school, in my elementary school. And all the teachers shared it. They shared it half half. And we saw them like, eh? That was the day I knew. God forbid. <laughs> if there's any animal I eat the most, it's anything that creeps. Any creeping thing. But we say, shit. <laughs> How did we get here? Superstition. Please. I love dogs, though. Ah, please. Help my ministry in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Superstition. <coughs> A lot of believers are in so much fear. So much. But you know the Bible says beware of dogs. 
<laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I just, I just joking. And I stand with the Bible. He will say circumcise one. Oh no, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. Uh, you have, you have to accept me the way I am. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah. Having a good time. <laughs> okay. So beware of supposed do don't be superstitious. Don't be don't be a superstitious believer. He says this this nothing has to go wrong for your life. Hallelujah. Feed on the positive. Stop feeding on the negative. And I told us the number one way to work supernaturally is to feed on the word the more. Feed on the word the more. To have a supernatural life every day, you feed on the word the more. You feed on the word. The more of God's word you feed on, the less superstitious you become. The less superstitious you become. Because you are allowing God's word to take a hold of you. You are allowing God's word to take a shape on you. You are allowing God's word to, to hold you. You feed on the word. How often do you feed on God's word? How often do you eat God's word? How often do you listen to God's word? To live supernaturally every day, to have a supernatural life every day, you feed on the word. Number two, you pray in the spirit every day. Ephesians 6.18, praying always in all prayers and supplications in the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, pray without sinning. Colossians 4 verse 2, it says praying always. Romans 12, 12, be instant in prayer. You pray always. Learn to pray in the spirit always. And, and let me tell you something about prayer. Prayer is not about getting something. A lot of people have zeroed prayer to, Lord, give me, Lord, Lord. No. Prayer is, because if it is about getting something, why, why would Jesus pray that long? The Bible says he prayed all night. He, he secluded himself to pray in the morning. He prayed. Yeah. Why would he be praying that long? Why would he pray for tear that his, the sweat of his body became blood? If it was about give me, give me, give me. No. He wasn't praying for a wife. He wasn't praying for a job. He wasn't praying for a car. So prayer is fellowship. Prayer is fellowship. Prayer is a contagious activity. That's why the Jews pray out the Torah. Let me tell you how the Jews prayed. They prayed out the Torah. They prayed out the word. So it's like they are muttering God's word. So when you see the Jews praying, they are reciting the word. They are spending time and saying, you know, in Genesis, this, they are praying out the will of God. Reciting it, muttering it. Bringing it to their hearts. Spending time with it. That's how the Jews pray. So prayer is about God's will. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, if you pray in tongues, my spirit prayed, but my understanding is unfruitful. I'll be to the spirit to speak in mysteries. So when we pray, we pray our God's way. So when we are living supernaturally, to live supernaturally means you must have a constant activity of prayer. Let prayer be daily. You should pray in tongues so much that you can't count how many hours in a day you pray in tongues. Learn to just talk in tongues. 
As you are driving, you are talking in tongues. As you are writing, you are talking in tongues. As you are, as you are, as you are cooking, you are talking in tongues. As you are baiting, you are talking in tongues. As you are pressing your phone, you are talking in tongues. Learn to talk in tongues a lot. You know what is happening? You are living supernaturally. You are living supernaturally. The number three thing we said, we said putting the word of God on your lips daily. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Are you speaking God's word or are you speaking your fears? Are you speaking God's word or are you speaking your doubts? Are you speaking God's word or you are speaking your worries? Are you speaking God's word or you are speaking your, your, your anxieties? Are you speaking God's word or you are speaking your, your reality? No, my reality is God's word. The Bible says we are born of the word, incorruptible seed. It says as newborn babes, first it out two. It says as newborn babe, desire the sincere make of the word that ye may go thereby. So a believer is born of the word. We are born of the word. Our reality is God's word. My reality is not what I see. My reality is not. Because if he says, I am with you always, we can't see it physically. So that shows the life of the Christian is supernatural. It says, I'm with you always. Hebrews 13. It says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So, and we can't see it. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. Can you see Jesus physically with your optical eyes? No. But he is with us in the spirit. So that means the life of a believer is supernatural. You cannot feed that supernatural life with physical realities. It has to be supernatural realities. That's why we pray. That's why we feed all the word. That's why we listen to the word. That's why we put God's word on our lips. We put it on our lips all the time. We put God's word on our lips all the time. We put it on our lips all the time. Number four, I was sharing this on Sunday, we give thanks. We must learn to give thanks always. We must learn to give thanks always. Learn to lift your hands and give thanks. One way to know that the devil is working with you is when you start murmuring. When you start complaining, oh, I don't know why this day is going to be. That's the devil. That's the devil. That's the devil. If you have, if, see, the opposite of murmuring or the opposite of complaining and murmuring is prayer and thanksgiving. So if you are not praying and giving thanks, you are murmuring. You are complaining. A lot of people are complaining about the nation. Eh, the nation is not good. Oh, this country is bad. This country is bad. Would you rather have no country at all? Eh, I don't know what's going on in my family. I don't know the challenges. Oh, 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 I can't, God is doing. Why can't God just not come through? Really? But you have a life. You are still breathing. I taught you on Sunday. I said the reason why we have life is because we have hope for tomorrow. Because we can trust God for tomorrow. In numbers. So if God gives you his word, there is nothing to do. We stay with the word. In Numbers 13, the Bible says, the whole Israel murmured all night. They murmured, you don't understand, they murmured all night in the Jewish calendar means what? 12 hours. They murmured all night and cried. They, the Bible says they wept together. So they were saying, so we are dying in this place. Oh, the Joseph's living was here to die. Oh. For the whole nation, that means they kept spreading. Somebody spread it. They said, oh. So the husband would get up and say, Wife, the wife might be probably be in the kitchen of me somewhere, maybe be in the city room doing something and say, you know, we are dying tonight. 
Moses brought us in. Ah, we are dying tonight. She said, Daddy, do we really, are we really dying tonight? Say, yes, so we are dying tonight. Ooh, ooh, we are dying tonight. That is all they were doing. The old three million people murmured against God all night. They kept spreading it. That's what that's what would happen. They would say, Hello, Alpha. Guy, <laughs> he's finished tonight. <laughs> Our guy. <laughs> ah, have you heard what Moses is doing to us? He brought us out of Egypt to suffer us in this wilderness. So we are gone. <laughs> oh, sorry, I knew it. I... They were murmuring. They were crying. I was saying, the whole nation wept. They cried and murmured all night. Imagine for imagine people staying awake just to cry. A moment. I don't know why we keep. Why are we with this wilderness? Why should, we should have been in Egypt being a slave? Really? We should have been there. At least Pharaoh was better than Moses. Pharaoh did not suffer us like this. At least, even when we do all the hard labor, they will give us food. But Moses, even water. He said, we should stand here and see the salvation of the Lord. What's that? He said, just be patient. Who patient for what? <laughs> That's what they were doing. Imagine. They were wishing slavery than freedom. What kind of people are that? They were wishing their bondage in Egypt than freedom in the wilderness. Imagine now we can't we don't even have water to drink. They complain because of just water. Who is a who don't? Who don't? They struck the rock. Water came out. Eh, it's still bitter. The water is bitter. Why did you bring us here to, to suffer us with bitter water? In Egypt! In Egypt! We were drinking clean water. It was, it was even bottled water. We were making the bottled water ourselves. That's what they were doing. At least the water we drank in Egypt cannot perish us. But Moses wants us to drink water from the rocks so we will perish. Ah. They will not spread it out there. Have you seen the water that is, that is flowing? Have you drank water today? Hey. The water that is, that is in the camp. You know the way they in the camp? The water that is flowing in this camp. It's, it's bitter water. But I would say, Mara, Mara. <laughs> Have you drank Mara before? What's this was a famous water? I was drinking bottled water as a slave. Purified water. They were complaining. Mommy. And that's how a lot of believers are. Eh, that's my job. Eh, I don't even know. I'm, I'm tired. Eh, that's my boss. Ah, if you have a job, you have a source of income. When you start complaining and murmuring, you won't see what God is doing. A negative news spread fast. It spread like wildfire. Somebody dies. The whole world knows. Look at that queen in this bed that the old world knew it immediately. Even if you were sleeping, somebody would wake you up. Have you heard? <laughs> queen died. The whole news changed. Bad news. But when they say, eh, eh, one good news happened. It's just like the king now was, was inaugurated. Not everybody really knew. 
He didn't spread like how the queen died. Some people don't even know that the king now has been coronated as the king. Some people, the reason why they knew is because he was having sank. <laughs> Say, hey, he was having sank. Wow. Some people, that's the reason why they knew. Some people don't even know. But when the queen died, wow. Queen Elizabeth. Everywhere you went. That's, so imagine. In the camp of Moses. Maybe somebody did not wake up on time. Moses was just sleeping over sleep. Ha! He's gone! Ah! Moses should have left us where there was good health care system. At least as a sleep, we had that insurance. That's what they were doing. When you are used to negative things, you cannot work in the supernatural. It's not possible. Some people, you will have, I mean, if you, you are some friends, the only information they know how to share in this life is one negative news. Have you heard that brother is dead? Have you heard that they are not sharing papers? Have you heard the embassy is closed? Have you heard they don't even pick people in that job? Once you talk to them, everything in their mouth is impossibilities. There's some people that you have to mute on your WhatsApp. That once you are reading their WhatsApp status, they just say, ah ah, ban, ban. It's not possible. It's, oh, you have to apply next year. Say, oh, you have applied there. They don't used to pick people in that job. Oh, it doesn't work out in that place. You are going to New York. Ah, New York is very tough. Who's good? Who stays in New York? Leave. You are going, ah. There are some people, that's their only destiny in life. <laughs> that's the only thing they know how to do. You have to avoid those kind of people. Once you walk and feed your mind on the negative, you cannot walk in the supernatural. You can't. Because God's word is positive. It inspires faith. It inspires hope. You can't read God's word and not be and not and not see hope. Look at hope. Even in the midst of their murmuring and complaining, it parted the Red Sea. Even in the midst of their murmuring and complaining, he provided manna for them for 40 years. Even in the midst of the man, if, see, God's word is full of hope. Abraham was 100 years when he gave birth to, say, to Isaac. Impossibilities. So you can't read the scripture and not, and not have hope. You are not, none of you is up to 100 years here. Imagine at the age of 100, somebody is just having his first child. And don't forget, that's God's, and the Bible says, it staggered not at the promise of God. So you can't read the scriptures. So you know why a lot of people are losing their identity today as believers? Because they, they have some unmet expectations. A lot of believers have a lot of unmet expectations. So their mom read, they are saying, I'm not going to serve God again. I'm not going to worship God again. I'm not going to touch again until God meets my knee. Abraham was 100 years old. You can't read the script. Look at, look at his Genesis. The seed of the woman will bruise the heat. It took almost more than 4,000 years for Jesus to come. You can't read the scripture and not be patient. You can't. You know, Christians are not patient. So they slid into mourning, they slid into complaint, and that's the bait of the devil. I've always told you, told you in this church, never compare yourself to another person. Never do it. Don't run another person's race. Don't compare yourself. I only share this example. 
Anytime I'm traveling and I'm on the, when I'm in the airport, I see thousands of people in the, in the airport and I want you, all of us, all of us in this airport are all going to different destinations. Different destinations. If you were driving and traveling with people, there are some people you will be on the road for more than two, three hours. After some time, everybody will go to their own exits. That is life. So be patient. Be patient. Some people, the reason why they left church today is because they are not patient. They are not ready to trust God. The woman with the issue of God. She's, the Bible says, For she said, If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She, do you know what? The Bible says she has been to many physicians. All the doctors in the city knew, Ah, oh, that woman. In fact, we don't know her name today. The only name we call her is the woman with the issue of blood. She has been here, though. We are still calling her the woman with the issue of blood. <laughs> the whole doctors, all the old hospital know, Escanazi Hospital, or, uh, Regional, or Chester Regional, everybody, ah, that that woman, everybody, in fact, if you get to the hospital and they want to advise, they say, that woman, she has that case, she's still alive, don't worry. Bible says, but is she but touched and she was healed. The reason why a lot of people are suffering from identity crisis, running away from church, running away from being a Christian, is because they are not patient. They are complaining. You can't read the scriptures. That's why, that's why motivational messages and all of those things will keep you under pressure. Imagine you come to church today now and all you are here is go and fire your boss and you don't even have another source of income. You can rise to the top and you just finish a bachelor's and your boss is a PhD holder. You can rise to the top. Rise to the top. Rise to the top, brethren. Be like that Gary and swear. Swell up. And that's all. No. It puts you under on due rest. Those are what those messages cost. It gives you anxiety. It makes you start feeling like you are not where you're supposed to be. It makes you start feeling like, ah, I'm not. It makes you just start having that fidgety. Ah, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not. Ah, I don't know what, what am I doing in my life. What am I? Then you enter. You slid into depression gradually. Then you start looking at people driving Tesla, driving this. Some people went to, and those people that are driving it, they collected it on credit. They don't even know how they will pay back, but they just say they want to walk in faith. They heard the message of the paper, but say, step out, go and price the car. Just go and price it. Go there, test drive it. And imagine yourself driving it and see what the Lord will do. And you know you are making $60 per hour. <laughs> you see what those messages does? Then you see Christians. They are praying for, to, to God about something for just two years. Two! Two! And they are not patient. Abraham, 100 years. Do you know what it means to raise your child at the age of 100? Sarah, at a grandma age, started BPJ. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Sit down. Sarah started breastfeeding a child at that age. Patience. 
We need to, we, we are so, our generation is so in a haste. Because of the social media world, which is good. The social media world is good. But everything fast, fast, fast. We want to get everything faster. Calm down. Learn to calm down. The very moment you put yourself under that unrest, I'm telling you, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You can't live supernaturally and not be positive. Don't feed on the negative. Learn to give thanks. Philippians 4 verse 6. Look at what it says in Philippians 4 verse 6. Am I blessing someone today? It says, look, let's start from verse 5. It says, let your moderation be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayers and supplications, let your requests be made known to God. In that says in verse 7, and the what? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hands and mind through Christ Jesus. This was Paul writing to the believers in persecution. The church of Philippi, we're in persecution. Do you know what he'll say? As we are preaching like this, in the church of Philippi, they'll come and chase them away from the service. They'll come and chase them away from the service and say, Get out! They will beat them, they will flog them, they will do everything. And look at what Paul was telling them in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Even today, let your mediation be known to all men. That's why I kept telling them in the book of Philippians. Rejoice. Be full of joy. So I'm full of joy. Learn to be full of joy. I'm full of joy always. I'm full of thanksgiving. How can a believer be frowning his face all the time? You know, before I come to that, don't, don't always fill yourself with negative news. You know, there's this book called The God's Generals. Many years ago, I never read that book. I started it, but I never read it because it gave me fear. A lot of Christians, they, when we were younger, they would say, read God's Generals. I never really read it. You know why? It fed so much on the negative aspect of the men of God. Why should I feed my... I know God wants to use me. I've known it from a young age. Why should I be feeding myself on why we fall? Why great men fell? Do I want to fall? I'm not trusting God to fall. I don't like negative news. I don't like it. Usually negative news, you got preachers. And that church collapsed. Nobody in that church is... Um, the pastor of that church has been arrested. Some people, that's the kind of news they like to share. You just see the pastor of that church has been arrested. So, the church closed down. How is that a good news? So many, a lot of people just like to feed on negative things. Somebody has died. Uh, the, those companies no more employing people. They laid off all their staffs. Why is that all you are feeding on? You are a supernatural man. A positive believer. So you will learn to change your mind. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at that, my story of sickness. I woke up and I meditated, then I felt sick. <laughs> Imagine I did not remember, I would not have fallen sick. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, brethren, learn to be full of. Look at the church of Philippi, even in the midst of their persecution, 
They were going through serious troubles. No building, nothing. Everything was just... And Paul was telling them, be full of joy. In fact, the book of Philippians is a book of joy. Joy. We can read from Philippians 1, you will see joy. 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 He says you'll be full of joy. Full of thanksgiving. You are a Christian, you are frowning your face. Even at work, they know you as that person that frowned at his face. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 29. He says he's a wicked man that had net attacks. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 29. So people don't know how to smile to people. Look at Proverbs 1, 29. Proverbs 1, verse 20. Proverbs 21, verse 29. Proverbs 21, verse 29. I needed to put this scripture in this message so that some of you that always frown. How uh, are you? Good. How's everything? Fine. Mm. Even at work, they know you as I seventeen. Fine. Uh, uh, you don't smile. You don't do anything. Even in church, uh, uh, like this. What's that? He said, "A wicked man adds his face, but as for the upright, it directs his ways." Only a wicked man adds his face. Are you a wicked man? You're always frowning. You're always uh, be full of joy. When people come around you, let them receive it. You know that thing called vibes, positive vibes. Let people come around you and their, their energy is pumped up. Let people come around you and everything you, they see around you is positive. Don't be that person that is always sharing negative news. Hallelujah. Supernatural community, we are not going to be people sharing negative news. We are not going to be putting negative news on our status. Hallelujah. All that is going to be on our status is things that will inspire faith. Inspire hope, inspire love, inspire joy in the heart of men. When people come around us, they are pumped up. They are happy. If they were having a sad time before, they just say, ah, you know, just being around you, I was just happy. Just being around you, I just feel, I just feel good. Be full of joy. Be full of joy. Always be, be that believer that you are always singing. You are even whistling, Woo! They're just whistling. You're just happy. You're just, you know, not leave me or leave me. Ah, leave me. Ah. Every time, every time. Ah. Even though Pastor said it, it doesn't mean that it should be every time. You are adding to what I did not say. How will I say you should not be smiling every time? How will I say you should not be happy every time? Only a wicked man admit his face. Let people come around us. Hallelujah. And let them see us joyful. Let them see us singing. Let them see us happy. We don't, have, we don't always want to have everything we need. I've always told you, human water are insatiable. We might not always have everything we have. We want. We might not always have everything we desire. But you see, let nothing steal our joy. That was what Paul was telling them in the book of Philippians. The way a church going through persecution. There were a church going through a whole lot of troubles, challenges, no money, financial, everything. Paul told them, be anxious for nothing. He told them not to be anxious. He told them in prayer and supplication, let your request be done. He says, at the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding will fill your heart. He told them, he says, and the Lord will supply all your needs according to my... That was the same book he was telling them. He said, he will supply all your needs. According to the riches in Christ Jesus. He says, I know how to abandon, how to abase. He was teaching them. He verse 10, he said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. 
Paul was making them see to be full of joy. I know you don't have what you need. I know you, I know you are still trusting God for a lot. I know you are still waiting for $100 million, $100 million, $100 I know you are still praying for $100 million. Me too, I am. $100 million, but be full of joy. I'm preaching to you as I preach to myself this evening. Be full of joy. I know you are still trusting God for that car. She's trusting God for that papers. She's trusting God for that issue. She's trusting God for that things to be settled. She's trusting God for that thing in your nation. She's trusting God for that. But be full of joy. Be full of thanksgiving. Be full of love. Let people come around you and they, they vibe their feelings. They don't, they, they can't. It's so hard for them to find out that something is wrong with you. That's what Paul, that's what Philippians, Paul was telling the church of Philippi. Let your meditation be known to all men. Don't let people, the people don't have to know that things are going wrong with you. After everything is all the dust has settled, you know that they see. You know that they was jumping around, joyful. Actually, I was going through this. You know, there's, there's something that inspired me a lot. Creflodola. He was having kidney disease. And he was still coming to church every day to preach. When he came out of the kidney issues, he told them, he said, I have been having kidney, no, not kidney, cancer. He says, I just got, the doctor just freed me and declared me free from cancer. Everybody was surprised. And he was preaching. Preaching. He would come to service, preach. Let's take an example of even that guy from Black Panther who died. They said that movie, that Black Panther, he acted it even at the most serious stage of his cancer condition. And look at it. That movie made you and I happy on the screen, but we never knew what he was going through. You know that's an impact. You might not understand what impact means. He made us smile, but he was going through something. People don't have, you don't have to wear your problems on your sleeve. Like the children of Israel. Ah, we can't even drink water. Ah, we are dying here. What's going on? Everybody knows that you are the one that you have issues. Everybody knows that. This one does not have money. Everybody, there's something that Chiamaka said that her mother told her one day. And I, and I learned from it. Chiamaka said her mother said, Chiamaka said her mother taught her that the day you don't have money is the day you should actually cook and dress well. I, she told me this years ago when I first met her. And that thing did not leave my mind. He said it's the day you should actually dress well, cook and let nobody know what is going on with you. You know, that's a, that's a wisdom of a wise saying. And that's a Christian attitude. That's a Christian attitude. That's a Christian attitude. Jesus was about to die. He was still eating with them and washing their feet. They couldn't even think about it. He was about to die the next minute. He was still washing their feet and say they were still eating supper. Somebody was, like, oh. Somebody was even sleeping on the Jesus and saying, of Jesus' belly, period to them. Is he me? Lord, is he I? <laughs> and he was laughing with them and he was about to go and die. People don't have to know your challenges because you are praying, right? You are full of joy. See, a man who is full of joy, full of thanksgiving, the devil can have his heart. Because how does the devil have your heart? Anxiety, worry, doubt. You know what that thing now does? You start using your words. What you ought to use to confess God's word. What you ought to use to put God's word on your lips. You start using it to murmur. 
Do you know what you are doing when you are murmuring? You are contradicting his word. When you start complaining, you are making the word of God look not true. Say, Lord, I give you thanks. Lift your hands where you are and just say, Lord, I give you thanks. You know, just worship him. Just as you are seated, just thank him. Thank him for that. Thank him for your life. Thank him for all your issues. Thank him. Give him the praise. Lift your voices. Sing a song to him. And just thank him. You know, when I was writing this message, when I was preparing this message, as I got to this stage, I just lifted my hands and I thanked God. Just thinking. Be full of joy. Thinking. Hallelujah. Amen. So be full of joy. Be singing. Just learn to sing. When, you say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for us, my very dear soul shall, shall hallelujah. Praise God for saving me. It's not my bar. It's not my bar. It's not my bar. You know, you just sing. Learn to worship Him. Learn to, every day, every day, I rejoice. You know, that's a song. Every day, I rejoice in the Lord. I believe that's a song of the Holy Ghost. Every day, every day, I rejoice in the Lord. I will sing melodies in my heart to the Lord. There's a melody in my heart. There's a song on my lips to worship you, to worship you. I lift my hands, I lift my voice to worship you, to worship you. know, as I lift my hands, we offer adoration. Oh, as I lift my voice, as I lift my voice, I offer songs of praise. Great is your love, great is your love for us. Great is your power, great is your power in us. Great is your spirit, great is your spirit. Us. Oh, as we lift our hands, as we lift our hands, we offer Rato. Oh, as we lift our voice, voice, we offer songs of praise. You know, learn to sing, learn to thank Him. Don't be a complainer, don't be a murmurer. Everything is working. For my good. Are you getting what I'm saying? Speak God's word. Everything is working for my good. Speak God's word a lot. Speak God's word a lot. Speak his word a lot. Over challenges, over issues, speak his word. Speak his word. Speak his word. Just learn to speak his word. Learn to speak his word. And surround yourself with supernatural company. Learn to surround yourself with supernatural company. See, we all process thoughts of those around us. There is no neutral communication. Surround yourself with people that are supernatural in their thinking. Don't have people you are always being the one to stare them up and say, hey, oh yeah, read the word now, pray. Have people that will tell you, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's do the word. Let's act on the word. 
No, change your words. No, don't speak like that. That's the kind of people you want to relate with. That's the kind of people you want to have in your life. Have people that will inspire you. Friends that will spur you up. See, it's not everything money can do, guys. There are some things you really have to rely on the power of God. See, it's not everything. A lot of people have relied so much, especially in this our world. We rely so much on technology, which is good. We rely so much on money. <laughs> and we are filled to rely on the supernatural. See, in living supernaturally every day, you have to learn to trust the power of God. Learn to trust the power of God before trouble comes. Don't wait for trouble to come before you start rejoicing. Don't wait for trouble to come before you start singing. Don't wait for trouble to come before you start saying, ah, let me do the word. Do it now. Learn to trust in the power of God. Be used to preachings. Be used to listening to messages. Not that when you are sick, that's when you are not picking, yeah, be healed, yeah, be healed, yeah, be healed. Be used to hearing the word. Be used to friends who will tell you, let's pray. Let's just act on this word. Play for me, I close. If someone sees you and all they say, let me tell you something about life. If somebody sees you and all they say is that you are my friend, they just despise the grace of God on your life. You don't yet have good friends. So. They say, oh, what's this? You are praying. They say, they can't receive from your prayer. I'll share a story that touched my heart some years ago. I heard my pastor share this story. He said two people had the same condition. One knew him and one doesn't know him. And he said that that one that knew him, no, that one that doesn't know him, before he went into coma, the person already told somebody and said, if I mistakenly enter coma, just call this man. And let him speak a word for over my life. I will come out of it. These issues. No, you must have friends that, if anything is hopeless, you will know they are praying for you. Just like our mission is possible. Some people have started doing prayer chain for us. <laughs> you have to have friends like that. And you know what? They called him and he was healed. And that person that knew him very closely died in this situation. So he asked the senior minister, he said, why did that person die? And the senior minister said, what does that person call you? Does he honor the grace of God in your life? He said, no. He said, call me by my name. He just see me as a normal human being. See, eh, we will have to have friends that we need to honor. It's not every friend you can slap their head and say, ah, how far is it? No. There are supernatural company we need to have. I've always taught us in this church. There are friends that we need to receive from. I used to tell you, I received God's call on my life today. It's true, a friend. True, a friend. Friends who will see you and respect you and say, This is a servant of God. This is a man of God. And respect the grace and the giftings of God over your life. But you have friends that you people cannot pray together. You people cannot study God. So all of you are just all negative together. No positive things come from your friend. Ha! You can never live supernaturally every day. If you are trying to study God's word, see, let me tell you, 90% of our Christian work deals with our association. 
this with and your association requires even your local church too. If you really want to be fervent as a Christian, you just need the right association. That's the truth. I'm telling you today, as a, I'm telling you today. 90% of your work with God deals with your association. The reason why you find so many Christians struggling with their Christian life today is because they have the wrong association. They just need to change their circles. If they mingle with the right company, they will always be on fire for God. If they mingle with the right friends, they will always be on fire for God. If they have the right local church, who will spoil them up, they will be on fire. So man is a product of influence, I've always told you. The reason you are talking the way you are talking is because you are influenced. The reason why you dress the way you are dressed today to service, you are influenced. The reason why you eat the food you eat, you are influenced. Man, nothing is neutral. No words are neutral. So see, if you want to serve God better, you want to live supernaturally every day, having prayed, having feed of God's word, putting God's word on your lips, giving thanks. If you don't have the right company, don't have the right kind of people you can never live supernaturally every day you can't you can't have the soul because it will be like it's a pulling force they are pulling you backwards you're trying to go they're pulling you backwards so you'll be you'll just be stagnant you just be on the spot you can't move up you can't move down so you find yourself your prayer life is just cold you find yourself it's just and that's because you are talking to the wrong side of people you're having conversations a lot and that's why the bible says iron sharpened irons I taught you on Sunday, I mean, Sunday, I say, the company of fools, they work together. You know that you have a problem. You are working with somebody who is not on fire. You know you don't have fire. You are working with somebody who is not on fire. You can never be on fire. It's just the principle of life. There's something I want to teach us, maybe later in the year, the company of prophets. It's going to be like a three-part series, the company of prophets. I'm going to show you the work, what association does in the scriptures. It seems like we need to re-emphasize that so strong in our coming days. So I owe you that teaching, probably this year or next year, the company of prophets. You need to understand, the Bible says that they gather together, just by them staying together, they could prophesy. There's something about influence. There's something about influence and association that you must not joke with. Watch the people you are talking to. I always say this all the time. Watch the relationships you keep. You can't be a Christian and date a Muslim. It's not making sense. Bible says, how does light have relationship with darkness? You are a fireful Christian. You say you want to change an unbeliever. How? You're no Holy Ghost. One person will change one another. And let me tell you, most of the time, it's always that person influencing you. My pastor used to share his story. That there was this woman. Very sad story, anyway. He said there was this woman. He said there was a time he couldn't preach to somebody. He said he saw they saw this agbirus, all this bus conductors, all these people who were smoking weed and all of those things, and they were just walking by. And that same sister begged my pastor and said, "Please let me go and share the word." And I said, "My brother, what is it? I beg, let's go." He said, "Pastor, let me share the word." I said, "Be fast, oh, be fast." I said, "Before I looked back." All of these men dropped their cigarettes and they were crying and weeping because she has preached the gospel to them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I was like, that same woman, she's a Muslim today. What could have happened? There's something I need to teach you on the thoughts of the Christian experience. What could have happened to that kind of woman? She wasn't listening. She didn't know how to keep the right influence. Why? She married a Muslim. 
she didn't control her desires too. She was not patient. You know, if somebody was patient, if you are patient and you are not following the pressure of, I want to get married, I want to get married, I want to get married, like all the pressures that the, the world will put you through, you will not have fallen into that mistake. What is to say? She said she's on her way to Mecca now. See what a life! You have changed lives. You've, you've, you know, you have transformed people who were once Muslim, and they are now Christians and they are pastors today. You now went back as a Muslim. What do you think happened? You just were not listening. You kept the wrong kind of people around you. May her life not be like that. Hallelujah such that we'll preach like Paul say we'll not be a castaway you know we'll preach we'll cast out we'll do everything you will not be the one on cold you'll not be the one very cold so watch the company you keep a lot of times our the solution to most of our problems are very nearby and we just cannot put our hands on it why because we dishonor we despise things Many a times, the solution to most of our issues or that sickness is just somebody that needs to lay hands on you and the person is close by. But you just have not seen God's grace on that person or God's honor on that person. So don't despise the power of God. You know, the power of God is also with your friends too. Don't despise them. I mean, supernatural, not men that are following God, men that are fireful for God. You know, you are not on fire. You are keeping friends that are not really on fire. You are in, it's a trap. Don't despise the power of God. You don't know when you will need one. Don't talk down miracles. Don't talk down the supernatural. Even if you don't understand it, just shut up. You are going to be sick one day as far as you are on this earth. You are going to feel feverish one day. You are going to feel weak. And some of these situations, there are some conditions that money can't solve. That is the only the power of God that can solve it. So, don't surround yourself with people who talk negative. Don't surround yourself with people who talk, who, who don't appreciate the supernatural. Don't surround yourself with people that say, uh, it's fake miracle. Everything is always fake miracle. Everything is always fake, fake, fake pastor. Everything is fake church. Everything is fake. Don't surround yourself with people like that. Once you do that, you are taking a slack. You are, you are taking a back. You are, you, are, you, are, you are reducing your work in the supernatural. A man can burn all the time. I tell you the truth. Hear me and hear God. You can be on fire every day by praying in the Spirit, feeding on God's Word, putting God's Word on your lips, giving thanks always, and minding the company you keep. So surround yourself a lot with people who appreciate the supernatural. And lastly, always expect the supernatural. Always. Every time. Always do it. Expect the supernatural every time. When you lay hands on the sick, expect that they are healed. You know, somebody said this. He says, when hands are laid on people, what did you expect? So they say, I'm surprised that they healed. Why were you surprised? We need to change our thinking. When we lay hands on people and they are filled with the Holy Ghost, they are talking in tongues, why were we surprised? What did we, wanted, what did we want to do? You know, we've been singing a song recently, and the thing dawned on me as I've been meditating the last couple of hours and days, and I was like, we see changes, we see results, we see differences as we pray. So when we see results, we shouldn't be surprised. What did we expect when we prayed? For results, for changes, for differences. When we talk in tongues all the time, what are we expecting? To have a closer walk with God. 
when we feed on the word every time, what are we expecting? To appreciate God's word the more, to understand the reality of God's word more, to understand who God is. When you go on SoundCloud and you are listening to me, you're just what are you expecting? To understand more. So expect the supernatural. That when I pray, I see results. Definitely. When I pray in tongues, I know I have an audience with God. When I cast out demons, I know that the demons will be casted out. When I say in the name of Jesus, you demon, go. It has no right but to go. When I say, uh, be healed, the person can stand up from the vision because that's what I expected. So that means I expect the supernatural every time. Alright? How do you live in the supernatural every day? I also expect the supernatural. That means I expect miracles. I walk on water. I expect that my prayers will be answered. I expect that there is a wo- I have not seen it yet. But I know there is an answer on the way. So I will not complain, right? I will not murmur. Even if I'm praying about natural things, yes, I'm believing God for that job. I know that it's coming because I've prayed. And he says that when we pray, he will answer us, right? And when I'm his child, he lives with me all the time, right? So that means that even if I'm praying about that job, I'm praying about that business, I'm praying about that thing, I expect that I'm going to see a result someday. So I'm not going to yield like the children of Israel to murmur or to complain, but I'll just give thanks. Right? So how do I live in the supernatural? I feed on God's word. I pray in the spirit daily. I put God's word on my lips. I give thanks. Right? I have supernatural company. I keep men who will steer me up on fire. And I expect the supernatural. Why not pray this evening and just lift your voice and just pray where you have seated? Bow your heads and just pray. Expect the supernatural. Learn to expect. We're going to continue and finish this next week. Expect the supernatural. Expect the supernatural. Just learn to expect the supernatural. You live supernaturally every day. Pray. Just pray. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. There's certain things that you know that are injuring your walk with God, that those things are taken away. I pray for you this evening that those things injuring your walk with God is taken away. Those troubles, those men, those friends, injuring your flow of God's spirit, injuring your flow in the supernatural, they are taken away this minute. You have a re- you are recuperated, you are re-energized, you are strengthened much more and more. Your walk with the supernatural, your walk with God is strengthened more and more. You pray in tongues a lot, you preach, you pray, you study God's word, you meditate, you feed on God's word, you give thanks. You are not a complaining bunch. You have friends, you expect the supernatural all the time. Pray, pray, pray. I'm praying for you. Your heart is strengthened more. You are strengthened. You stand perfect and complete in God's will for in God's plan and God's purpose for your life you are rising up as a minister of the gospel you are rising up to fulfill what God has called you to do I'm praying for you as you hear the sound of my voice you are strengthening more you are rising up to that call of God on your life as you are listening to me anywhere in the world you are becoming a stronger minister of the gospel yes seen yourself now rise up to what he has called you to do pray in the holy ghost just pray in the holy ghost pray pray in the holy ghost pray in the holy ghost pray in the holy ghost
pray the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.